healthy ones of us, but the healthy ones are the ones that I'm not really interested in talking to anyway. You know, the ones who are like, oh, I have a good work-life balance, and my career isn't destroying my mind, and I don't have multi-substance use. Like, get out of here. Get out of here. Did I ever tell you about the bunker? No. Tell me about the bunker. So I always think about this when I think about uh, high-paying lawyers. So I know some high pay. I know I have because of random circumstances of my well because I went to a nice school basically. Oh, and brief interruption. Hi, uh, because Kyle just asked me if I know about the bunker. You're probably listening to the Big Bang Theory. Theory. Hi, I'm Nick, and I'm Kyle. I'll you were telling me about the bump the bunker. <laughs> I have a friend who had a big law job, and he talked about going to a party where two of the partners at the party uh, talked about how. What they do for fun in their spare time is they think about how they would create and deck out their bun- their bunker in, like, the post-apocalypse. Like, I don't think they'd actually spent that much money on it yet, at least not at this time. But their plan was, like, if society collapses, like, just for fun, whenever they were hanging out, like, at a bar or whatever, they would just be like, so... When society collapses, what's the first place we should go to get the guns for our bunker? And that was just like, that was just like how, that was just always going on in the back of their minds. Well, Kyle, I I have something to say about this, but first, this is technically a podcast about the Big Bang Theory television show. Every week we watch it, well, every other week we watch a single episode because doing this weekly, oh God, oh, oh, that wouldn't be good for any of us, would it? No. And we have today officially reached the half point of the series. We have watched season six, episode 24, also called The Bon Voyage Reaction. And, you know, it's, wow, monumental episode. You're not going to believe the thrills, chills, and spills that we're going to discuss Someone at some point has down to the go line. Away for conveniently the exact amount of time that the. Uh, break in broadcasting between uh, seasons takes you know that is convenient you know that's at least they're not you know it would be fun if instead it was like a 20 year break like four months later they come back and penny and leonard and all the whole gang are in their late middle age uh still just waiting on each other to figure out their social inadequacies but kyle when we're talking about bunkers you know it's it's strange to me that um when when you've experienced these conversations is in the context of of these rich people wondering, you know, how they're going to be prepared or keep an advantage when the end times come. You forget that I live in a mostly rural state oh, where right. people uh, actually have like grain silos that they've started to deck out. The, the idea of being prepared for the apocalypse, it like, oh, God, it's, you know. There's a lot of, I think it's past now, but there was there was a lot of uh, just random meme chit-chat about cringe and what is and isn't cringe and whether or not to accept cringe. And this is something that I do think is cringe, is such is uh, our local flair for survivalism that there was, maybe still is, a local business called Zombie Tools that forges like actual weapons for the apocalypse ak for ding-dongs that are like i'm ready for the zombie apocalypse <laughs> oh god so anyway um i think we all have an interest in the end times um but whether you're rich or poor people who are building bunkers uh, are boring and i don't want to talk to them about it <laughs> 
Ah, I want to talk about this episode, Kyle. That's what I want. But first, any big feelings, any big reflections on the journey we've taken and how it has led us to this monumental occasion of the insane things that transpired during the roughly 22 minutes of television we experienced today. Yeah, you know, I think I'm ready to say it. Uh, People who like this show, I forgive you. Whoa. All right. I I forgive you. It's okay. You didn't do anything wrong. Well, that's not quite the same thing, is it? The thing that you did wrong is forgivable. (laughs) Okay. Now, um, Kyle. We can now bury our past collective trauma and move on into a new future together. Well, when you say move on, that's, you know, obviously I want to ask you more specifically about what wrong thing it is that you're forgiving. I don't, I think, honestly, though, I prefer to leave it ambiguous. I I think if the audience knows, they know, and you can hold that secret in your heart unless you want to share it. And they can just feel generally what mistakes they've made. So... I should actually talk about this episode, however briefly. But yes, this is this is season six, um, the the climax, the the season finale. I, how long have we been doing this? That's my question. Did you do you ever go like? Do you go back? Can you look at the timestamp for the first episode of this show? Oh yeah, um, I can absolutely look that information up while we are doing this. But I mean, it's about six years because every season is you know 24-ish episode but we only do it bi-weekly so you're oh my god stretching so... that out into close to a year oh, and no yeah so i'm pulling it up right now but i can find in a few moments here our very first ever published episode Did, well yeah no you know not quite six years we, we, a little bit faster than the pace they've been coming out first published uh December 19th, 2017, the pilot pilot, no, the pilot episode pilot episode. Fuck, I'm funny. Wow. <laughs> what a good title that was. Strong start. So yeah, that's that's what we, we've stayed committed to this stupid project that we, we discussed, I think, mostly in line for tacos one evening. So uh, hey, it's been it's been working out. I, I'm, I'm glad. We've done this. I'm glad that I think... It means that by the time we're done, we'll have been doing this for a solid decade. Oh, yeah. Like, let's think of... Let's not ever... Let's make a vow, you and me right now, to never, ever think about what else we could have done with the amount of time that we spent... Kyle, sorry. Vow broken already. I, much like in the ballad of J. Alfred Prufrock, measuring out... The, the times of his life in coffee spoons. Here we are. We will be able to look at a decade, you know, on a, on a pretty, like, middle-of-the-road estimate, an eighth of our total lifespan, where one of our routines was to check in and be like, can you believe we're still watching this stupid fucking thing? <laughs> like, that's... <laughs> I feel like I deserve some kind of trophy, but not a good trophy. Like a bad. What's what's the bad version of a trophy? A label, um, <laughs> which a prison I, sentence. Yes, that's. I just remember because um, specifically using the language trophy. Uh, this friend who maybe we even talked about this on the podcast. I don't know, but was talking about how um, on on DOA Extreme Beach Volleyball Three that when you saw a friend 
who's uh, had a bunch of Xbox trophies on that game. Those trophies were much less of an achievement than they were just a label. So <laughs> I like I've never heard that before, but that makes sense. I love it. It's uh, that was I, I thought a, a brilliant gaming moment, a brilliant gaming insight. But anyway, but you know we've got made a couple of references to. We actually sometimes talk about this TV show, so let's do it. Um, you know these these summaries are getting briefer and briefer. This one's going to be no exception. Uh, Leonard is going on a uh, sea expedition in the North Sea to research some project that is, you know, complicated enough that I can't even remember the general terminology for it, but something that Stephen Hawking's up to. You know, he's always up to tricks. So he's up to Experimental physics. So some does theoretical physics. This is the kind of physics where you actually have to go and take measurements to see if the things that the nerds have thought up actually have any real-world evidence. Exactly. You know, the way they were describing it, my, my lay person understanding us, I was like, I know they look for, like, neutrinos in the ice. Maybe it's neutrino shit. But they don't say the neutrino uh, word once, so probably not. That's just the best I can grapple with that. Uh, but regardless, um, you know, as much of a big event as that is, the real focus of the episode, which I think if they were sincerely concerned about it, would have been stretched across more than a single episode during which the tension it creates is, again immediately resolved is uh, that penny uh, oh well sheldon mostly doesn't want him to go because sheldon you know maybe he's afraid of being alone but he also makes clearer than in other episodes uh leonard it's you know is a, a slave to his whims that leonard is the only one who'll put up with him and so sheldon can't afford to live without leonard around there's no you know there, there may be some sort of genuine concern buried deep in Sheldon's heart but really that's that seems to be what's really going on and to that uh to that end he uh in a pretty clever play I believe uh says to Leonard oh but things are going really well between you and Penny right who knows what four months away to do to that and this is my first problem with this episode but we'll come back to it no no please let's get into it now who gives a shit about finishing the summary get it while it's hot just that this show is so inconsistent about Sheldon Cooper's emotional intelligence. Oh, yeah. Like, you can't simultaneously treat him as someone like, uh, oh, I don't know how doorknobs work, you know. Or, that's a, I'm sorry. No, that's my impression of Sheldon Cooper. I don't know how doorknobs you know, I, work. I have to roll 17 to figure out which of my girlfriend's various body parts I have to pretend to touch. Yes, that's right. Like, basically, like, unless you explain it to me Perfectly, I have no sense of other people's minds or social obligations, and yet, when the moment comes, I can say the exact thing that will undo this person's entire sense of confidence and self worth. Which you know, it's it's been so long since we were trying to like really deep uh, dig deep down into like the very deep motivations of their characters. You know, really get under the mask behind the mask, and um, I mean that could be evidence again that Sheldon's. Uh, naivete and lack of social grace is all just a complicated put on and that he is really just a Machiavellian sick freak probably not it's probably just bad writing but I, I want to believe that's 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 I think the traditional motto for this show right I want to believe that's where that comes from but anyway so yeah uh, Sheldon is being manipulative and hey guess what everybody it doesn't go anywhere it doesn't it's uh like Penny and Leonard have a dinner about it and Penny's like, I'm your girlfriend, I support you, that sounds great. 
she has one line I do think is funny. She says, if you're going to do anything to mess with the relationship, it's going to be while you're here. You know, ignoring that also while Leonard's gone, she's going to be like, oh, right, I have options. Like, Leonard's not going to do anything wrong, but someone else is going to do something right. Um, but probably not, because the show would never go there. Uh, and so, yeah, it's like... They have, the end of the episode is they have a going away party, and that wraps up the B plot. I'll get to in a second, but yeah, it's it's all fine. You know, drops them off at the airport, goes on the trip. Everyone's happy. Whoa, wow, what a what a fucking crisis resolved. Plot B is the more bummer plot, and something that I wish would have been focused more on if it were you know if they're able to like do it effectively. That's always a big question mark. But Raj is trying to ramp things up a little bit with girlfriend Lucy, a.k.a. AKA Kate Micucci, and she, uh, he, he wants finally for her to meet at least one of the friends. And so after some coaxing, uh, he's able to get her to have a dinner with um, him and Amy, and this absolutely should have been the setup for a weird three-way or an ambiguously sexy situation. But no, the only thing that happens is that... Um, Kate and Amy are, not Kate, Lucy and Amy are trying to have a nice conversation while Raj keeps jumping in to say, You can't believe how anxious she is! You're making her anxious, you fucking maniac! I can't believe it! And so when they get to the, the party that wraps up the episode, Lucy uh, no longer wants to come. And it's in a, a real, only in a sitcom or a sick masochist's world, does Raj make the move where he's like, Hey, I just got this devastating text i need to pass the phone to a friend so he can read aloud to the room at my friend's going on a journey going away party that my girlfriend just dumped me over text oh big bummer and that is more or less the end of the episode except for a big revelation you're never gonna believe it um after they drop uh, Pe- Penny, Leonard, and uh, Amy, not Amy, uh, <laughs> Sheldon, are all in the car going to the airport together to, to drop Leonard off for his big uh, voyage. And on the way back, they visit um, Raj just to see how he's doing. Sheldon stays in the car. Penny actually comes in. And I was really, really hoping that this was, too, going to lead to a weird, sexy scenario. Because uh, Raj, all of a sudden even though it's been inconsistent throughout the series, <laughs> is talking to Penny, and Penny's like, oh, hey, uh, you're, you're talking to me just fine. And he's like, yeah, I haven't had a drink since last night. <gasps> Whoa! Raj can talk to the ladies all of a sudden. And what I thought it was going to be is that he specifically can talk to Penny, and that, oh, God, what are we going to do? It turns out that the only woman on earth that Raj is comfortable speaking with happens to be one of his best friend's girlfriends. Ooh, season seven tension, here we come. Not at all. Instead, uh, the the stinger of the episode is Raj hanging out with all the lady uh, friends and talking too goddamn much now that he no longer has to rely on alcohol. So one of Raj's only character-defining traits, which... uh, has not been consistently applied or taken advantage of, has now been written out of the show. The characters are officially less interesting than when they were created. Season six, we did it. We're halfway there. We could stop any time, but we're going to keep on going. Who knows why? No, And not only that, but they like 
I mean, I guess they knew that they had written themselves into a corner. They decided to lampshade it in this episode. He starts it. He he walks in and he can't talk to Amy all of a sudden. That's like, oh, literally mm-hmm. my first thought was like, oh yeah, that's right. He still has this thing. Like I had forgotten it was a thing. Um, yeah, because they do so little with it. And then he walks over to the counter, picks up a beer, and can suddenly talk. To yeah, which... has maybe had a sip, maybe. Which is why uh, Amy very uh, reasonably points out, I would love to cut open your brain. Um, so they knew it. They knew they like had this like hanging trope that I guess they were just like, well, now is the time to solve this through heartbreak. Because if there's one thing that causes you know men to overcome their social anxiety issues, it is getting horribly, horribly rejected. And, well, you know, my, my heartbreak comes from the fact that here we are just – Losing another girlfriend to to time and circumstance. Well, I guess that's how you lose everybody, you know. <laughs> that's where we're all going to lose. We're all going to lose everybody, aren't we, people? Aren't we right? But, um, I don't know. If I, I have just, anything to say about it. I just, I just really like Kate Micucci. And I feel like she was finally starting to, like, get into her groove in the last episode, too, where she had, like, a really specific role in the show she was starting to have significance, uh, and then this was going to be the episode to fully integrate her. And who knows? Maybe next season, you know, they'll be like, "Oh, oh God, I had another panic attack, and oh, actually, I love you, or whatever." Huh. Oh, that's the other thing. Yeah. Oh, nobody whoops or woos or anything because no one gives a shit at this point. But Penny and Leonard say that they love each other before he goes off to Water Town. Uh, Wallowitz is kind of funny. Uh, when they're trying to decide uh, which friend to introduce Lucy to, to help be the least intimidating, uh, I think it's Leonard that says, not you, Wallowitz, you've got, you know, a big personality, and that I mean your flashy clothing and overall Woody Allen energy. And that joke I didn't think was funny, but Wallowitz's um, quiet acknowledgement of like, oh yeah, that I liked. He's like, yeah, I do. You're right. I'm kind of a pervert. I got it. Um, And then also... They make a big enough deal about this, but I kind of wish they'd milked it more. Is during Leonard's going away party, Wallowitz is like, "Oh, hey, yeah, big, big adventure, huh? Yeah, doesn't really compare to space, though, right? Am I right? Like, I mean, good for you, little guy, but it's you're <laughs> you're not going to space here. So I don't know. I kind of wish, you know, I don't wish Wallowitz were more of a pervert because that is, I think, genuinely frustrating to see portrayed over and over and over again. But if he were just more of like. I don't know, a creep, a rascal, a little devil, something like, cause I think the group needs that. Like, I, I think the pervert energy is, is fine to get rid of, or even like if he just had sexual deviant energy, but in a way that like he was too open about his horny relationship with Bernadette in a way that made the group uncomfortable. I just feel like when he's, I feel like he's a good comic actor who, who also just doesn't get enough chances to mug uh, Kyle, how do you feel about this episode? Uh, I mean, I already complained about the thing with Sheldon and the thing with Raj. Uh, was there anything I actually liked about this episode? I mean, if not, I can't blame you. I didn't, like, I, I thought it was Oh, a... but I was going to say, with Kate Micucci, I assume, like, 
I just take it for granted that nobody with any comedic integrity takes a spot on this show for anything other than the paycheck. Sure. So I assume that she was on this show for like the exact minimum number of episodes she needed to get paid for in order to go back to making weird, you know, YouTube videos and stuff. So, or yeah. being on that one movie she was in with Mike Birbiglia for a second. I think that was her. But uh, yeah. So I, I mean. You're right. The show was made better for her, but it's an interesting point that anyone good enough to make the show better will not be on it very long. I think it's a fair rule of thumb. I'm going to call it the Makuchi rule. I like that. You know, and I hadn't thought about that, but now I'm going to be looking out for that the rest of the time to see like which good dignified comedians are on the show just being like I just I just need to get enough points for my health insurance this year. <laughs> That's <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I'll, I, I got to do the dirty work if I want to follow my dreams. Am I right? This, you know, this is beats working, I guess. So, <sighs> Kyle, you know, we could, as we have in the past, try to force ourselves to dig deeper into the episode and pick its bones clean. Do we have any other things that we really want to discuss with this, or do we want to just kind of talk about things we're into? Because I don't know. Like I said, I. I don't think this was a bad episode, but as far as like, I mean, like what, what was the thrust of this season? What was this about? Like when Wallowitz went to space, like at least half of that season was about, oh shit, he's going to space. How are we all going to deal with that as friends and potential spouses and all that? Like this, this adventure came up in the same episode that it's, it's stress was, was petered out. Like, I, 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 I feel like. For a show that did not clearly have a path in the first place, that it is nonetheless in the doldrums. Yes, I mean, and I, I think that's it. I think, I mean, we're in, again, season six, and while it is astonishing to me that the show has six more seasons in it, because, I mean, what's everybody needs to get married. We've got we got three, at least four seasons to conclude in marriages. I'm sure of it. That's right. So we'll have a Raj has to get a that's absolutely right. And then maybe one of them uh probably at some point at least one of these couples will have a kid. My money's on uh Wallowitz. One of them will tragically and suddenly kill themselves in an uh, in between season scene be <laughs> explained in a note at the start of the next season. That's what yeah, you're right. You know, this show really needs like one of those like that famous episode of Buffy where someone just walks into the room and like the character is dead. Just had a stroke inexplicably and is no longer on the show. Well, the one I was just thinking of is uh, when I think it was the season after Cal Penn. Yes, was House. In... That I knew that one too. But yeah, yes. yeah, he's he's one of the the hot young new doctors. You know, they're kind of starting their new cycle of faces for the next big phase of the show. And then he, yeah, he took a job with the Obama administration, and so at the start of the next season, they're like, "Oh God, he killed himself." How could we have seen this coming? Moving on. So, thanks for your service, Calpen. <laughs> yes, that was. I do know exactly. Uh, that was wild when that happened, um, but well executed. Well, I was going to say and this is my last. I think I've talked about this before, but I am in the middle of uh, tax season when my brain hurts, and as much as I didn't like this episode, I didn't find it hard to watch in the slightest. This is what I'm saying, man. It's. And I actually, so I talked to uh, one of my partners who was also a, uh, you know, uh, psychologist, and they told me, no, no, they've done studies on this. It's when people's brains get overloaded, particularly people who are on the spectrum. I 
you know, so take of that what you will. It's like their brains basically become uh, more reliant on the sections of the brain that we associate with neurotypical people using. And so basically what I find is the more tired I become of taxi in tax season, the more all of the normie shit just makes sense to me. Not brings me any joy, but just is what I need to get through my day. So right now I've been, uh, I've been, I've been watching a lot of modern family and I've been playing a lot of the uncharted series because that is apparently who I become (gasps) during the middle of tax season. Kyle, I'm so frustrated that we don't do this over video because the contortions my face has been making at this roller coaster of joy at you proclaiming to the world that the stress of life can be so overwhelming it sometimes makes me do normie shit. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, and you know, I I was listening to a, a podcast today that like coincidentally touched on this exact same thing where so like I think my thing for this is is video games where like I I don't watch a whole lot of TV not like I'm not one of those anti TV people I just like I just don't unless it's compelling I I don't think I have the patience or attention span for something that like draws out over a season or multiple seasons um, but I was listening to an episode of podcast the Flop House today bad movie podcast which I love and um, they were talking about just, uh, you know, what TV they've been watching in general, and one of the hosts was complaining about how the bar for what is considered great TV is too low, where, like, a great novel has to last, like, it's, it's for, like, decades or centuries that, you know, remain for people to recognize, oh, wow, this really does have lasting power, where, like, in our in our current discourse, like, great TV is remembered for like two months and then you move on to the next monumental TV event that is forgotten two months after that. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's a perfectly fair observation. Well, and so, the, and then the discussion from there went to how he and another one of the hosts just view the function of TV differently. Where the one of them, I think, is more like me and is like, I just don't have the patience. I want something that has more, uh, is you know, more of a uh, deliberate pace, more uh, condensed and, and, and sparing with exposition. And the other is like, I want something that helps me relax and just chill out. Like, I, I want entertainment that helps me level out again. And I don't have to like, I don't have to do work to enjoy it. And yeah, so I think that's the difference I see where like, you know, can't be blamed if you like this show. I mean, you could, but like Kyle forgives you at least. I'm on the fence. But yeah, it's just um, I think no matter if it, even if it were like a great sitcom, I think no matter how good of a sitcom it were, I would still probably complain about it because I guess I'm not. Well, I was gonna say I'm not a sitcom guy, but I do you know still have that insanely high bar. I was like watching <laughs> watching Peep Show clips this morning, laughing laughing my little tush off at memories of Goof's past, you know, but. Yeah, so they they did it for six more years. People loved this, ate this shit up for another six more years. When when I still lived in L.A. and thought last minute it would be funny if I got Kyle and I tickets for one of the taped recordings of the final episodes, those were in fact already sold out. So we are still not close to the end of this friggin' phenomenon. Maybe it will only continue to make more sense as we get more and more tired. 
yeah, maybe uh, the occasional obnoxious questions of whether we're ever going to get into young Sheldon, we will we'll give into those fantasies and brutalize ourselves even more. Though I did see a funny fake poster online the other day for young Tar. I'd watch that, but... <laughs> I, I don't know. How do you feel? I feel ready to move on to... Yes. To, let's, yes. Do our, let's do our wrap-up. Hard transition. Um, do you want to go first or should I? Uh, I feel like I had something else, but I can't remember what it was. So I'm just going to go ahead and recommend a fun movie that I watched uh, like a week ago, week and a half ago, called The Menu, which is oh. on HBO. I've been hearing good things, but I haven't seen yet. So the menu actually is. You mentioned Tar. Uh, I haven't seen Tar, but I think it occupies a slightly similar fit space in that these are both movies about sort of incredibly pretentious people who occupy an incredibly uh, sort of exalted intellectual like hoity-toity circles and how like what that does to them. So the menu is about a bunch of people who are paying a whole bunch of money to go out on a private island. And have dinner prepared by, like, basically the world's greatest chef. It's the world's greatest chef, the world's nicest restaurant. It's incredibly expensive. They say it's, like, 1500 or $2,000 a plate or something. But even that seemed like a little – the price that they quoted seemed like a little cheap. That's what I just what thought I, when you said I, that, yeah. Like... I assumed the world's greatest restaurant must cost unless there's, like, a separate tab for, like, the wine or whatever. So they all go out there and it – Without really wanting to spoil anything, you sort of, you know, you you might imagine if the movie has any premise at all, something has to go wrong. And the short answer is the chef has lost his mind and this is not, tonight is not intended for anyone to have a good time. <laughs> uh, and so it's basically everyone who has been invited was invited on the basis of the fact that they are terrible people who represent something that the chef deeply hates and the one uh the chef by the way being paid by Ray Fiennes you know Voldemort the English patient doing an incredible job yeah. uh, and there are several other uh you know there's at least one other noticeable cameo which is John Leguizamo playing an incredibly <gasps> egotistical yeah playing an incredibly egotistical washed up uh checked out uh celebrity and uh, he has been very vocal about the fact that he is just doing a Steven Seagal impression. So <laughs> what, you, what you would okay, like. Okay, I'm sold. Been like, I gotta watch he's it. He's been like, I met the guy. This is what he's like. Um, it's, it's a brief aside here. Every, every, every story I hear about Steven Seagal, he's, in, he's you know, like, hey, let's not go too crazy shamey here. I say to myself, but apparently an insane person who like... Yeah. 100% believes his own bullshit. I don't know. It might be like a Kanye West thing at this point. I'm just not sure that there's anything... Uh... Oh, I, I'm not sure it's that extreme. I hope it's but not. But I mean, it's like, if you just look at who he was in like 1995 versus who he is now, like something obviously went broke somewhere along the way, more than just his inability to control his weight. Um... Oh, 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 God. Anyway, so... Johnny no, Lakes. I'm not trying to fat shame the guy. I'm saying that like him being fat wouldn't be that big of a problem. The big problem is that like he went from being someone who could like do pretty cool martial arts to something else. Anyway, uh, and the the main character, the character we're supposed to feel some sympathy for, is Anna Taylor Joy, who uh, plays a 
woman who was invited a young last... woman with gigantic eyeballs. <laughs> yes, who was That's invited last last minute to the island, um, and so she's not really supposed to be there, and so it creates problems for the chef and his whole plan for the evening. And yeah, I really it's it's obviously intended to be slightly horrific, but it's not the kind of horror where it's visceral at all. So it's mostly just very, uh, very is, funny and silly and dark. And I quite enjoyed it. Is Anya Taylor-Joy like the real Benoit Blanc of the group where it's like, oh, your presence here has really ruined this party. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, she's basically the person who's like, this is she's who I would. She's like, this is all bullshit. Like, this is all there's no way this food is worth this much money and there's no way that like anything excuses like either the way we treat the people who serve us the food. It's like, she's basically just like you or I would be in this situation, which is very uncomfortable to be surrounded by people who have this much money and take food this seriously. Classic everyman, Anya Taylor joy, who looks like an alien that, tried to <laughs> tried to set the the beauty settings too high on a female form and created some sort of weird uncanny valley person it's like technically you have all the features that would make someone incredible yet i find your your visage somehow off-putting yet mystifying that's how i feel about Annie sailor joy anyway so the menu she does look like a real life anime character it's true yeah, yeah. Though her her face proportions, and not in a critical way, uh, but again, are crazy. So that's what we're doing today. Hey, every celebrity, what's your fucking deal? What's something's wrong with your face, your brain? What's your fucking deal, celebs? Okay, I, I'll take my turn. So I did also watch um, in the last week a, a different Anya Taylor Joy movie. I, I for the first time since it was released rewatched The Witch. Hell yeah. I still, I'm still lukewarm on it. I wish, I want to. It's not the lighthouse, but it's a good movie. I want to like it more. I do not dislike it. I think, I think my first time I watched it, I really expected it to be. I mean, this is stupid. You know, like I thought it was going to just be scarier overall. And when it was a much more serious, like I think what I appreciate it more the second time now that I do know what kind of movie it is, is that like it's real. It's got a real good mood like it's great at establishing just like dread and confusion and despair but yeah still not totally my thing but i I had a good time the movie i am going to recommend is uh i'm I'm getting back to my list of missed classics that i've been meaning to watch and i have now for the first time seen blood simple uh yeah now this is a very important question when the guy turns on the jukebox what song plays oh god I can't tell you, Kyle. I remember the exact moment you're talking about, and I know it's a it's a real good like kind of like rockabilly fun song. Well, but no, I... that's not the 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 fun. You watched the director's cut because in the original version, it's "I Saw Her Face, Now I'm a Believer" by the Monkees. Oh yeah, because they couldn't get the rights to the song that they wanted, so it's only in the most recent re-release of the movie that they swapped it out for the song that you actually heard. Um, well, well, something that I, I do grasp onto that makes me feel like a real pseudo-intellectual is I have uh, all these movies in my queue, just on HBO Max, you know, but whenever I which open... Which where the menu is, by the way. Well, oh, yes, correct, which is why I have no excuse for not watching it at this point. But also, um, whenever I open one of those movies in my queue and it starts with the Criterion Collection slash Janus Films logo, I'm like, hmm, look at me. I'm an intellectual. I'm feeding my brain. And so, yeah, I think that is the version that I saw was on HBO Max and, yeah, whatever more recent criterion version it was. 
But um, I, I won't talk too much about the plot because I feel like talking about rural, any substance of the plot really spoils a lot of it. But it is, I believe, correct me, you might know this better, Kyle. Is it the first Coen Brothers feature? That's or, correct. The first, the first one that they both wrote and directed. I think before this, they like they were doing various like undercover work on other things, including The Evil Dead. Uh, but I don't think I knew that. Yeah, no, Joel. Either I think Joel Cohen like did this a lot of the cinematography on The Evil Dead. Um, well, that's interesting because like something that I didn't one hundred percent agree with when I just, you know, was like reading critics notes on Wikipedia or something was that how uh, one of the elements of the film this particular critic thought stood out was in addition to other genres, its presentation of like, like 80s kind of like slasher horror uh, themes. And I think that had a lot to do with the cinematography instead of here that uh, one of them was on the evil dead. I, I can give a little more credence to that, even if I didn't pick up on it myself. Or maybe he just edited it. I think maybe he edited it. But anyway, yeah. This, anyway. Was, their, this was the Coen Brothers 1.0, their first big movie. But I think um, to the extent I can discuss the plot without spoiling anything that doesn't just happen in like the first five minutes is uh, a man and a woman that are connected to a local bar. One works there. One uh, is the... Uh, wife or lover of the the owner and uh, wouldn't you know it they have themselves a little affair and it's not like a big oh my god can you believe the incredible emotional tension of this thing we're doing it's it's discussed very matter-of-factly right at the beginning of the movie and um and so the inciting incident aside from the affair is that the the bar owner slash husband scorned lover decides he really wants to take out a hit on um on this this guy that's that's messing around with this woman. Not yeah, because it makes him crazy. It makes him blood simple. See, it does. Yes, which is an expression that before watching the movie, I had no idea it was an expression. And you know, I don't think it's a common expression at all. But I do like how like they do at least. I guess you could say lampshade. They do address it through dialogue in the movie without like making it too on the nose. But yeah, that's. As, as Kyle just pointed out, it's, yeah, blood simple is basically uh, the the idea that you know someone in in the heat of the uh, aftermath of violence uh, loses loses their cool. They 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 get a little crazy, a little dumb, a little blood simple. And the only other thing I'll say about the movie, because like I said, I don't want to really spoil it, is that uh, I find it most impressive in that it's not necessarily a movie that has a complicated plot, but uh, the plot is really, really heavily based on small inferences characters make about the situation they're in. And none of it is like really done through like a lot of exposition. It'll be more like a character will misinterpret something someone else said and make a really stupid decision based on that. Someone will see something out of context and make a bad decision based on that. And so... You know, it's it's not like you have these characters having to explain their reasons to keep things moving, but it's something that would otherwise be kind of like a straightforward movie, honestly, but that the things that keep moving it forward are these subtle interactions where, yeah, it's a, a man driven to, to a, a quiet, intense rage 
uh, obviously is no longer very reasonable, nor the people he is caught up with. So uh, it rules. Yeah, I'd, so that's my recommendation is Blood Simple. And with that recommendation, I guess we're wrapping up a whole half. Yeah. I don't know. Do we want to like pop champagne and insert cheering noises? Do we want to drop a New Year's Eve ball? Why don't we just invite our audience to tell us their favorite moment? Hit us up on Twitter, which we never check, but we'll do better about just for this. Yeah. And let us know your favorite moments from the first half of the you know, help Help even out our iTunes reviews. We were sitting yeah. at a real solid exact 3.0 for a while there. I think we're dipping into 2.9 territory. Which is ironic because it's, we've stopped talking about the show as much. Well, and also, I'm not saying get us back up to five. I'm saying I want that three, baby. Do just enough work to get us to break even. I'm not pretending we're fantastic. We're here for everybody. And that means being as middle of the road as the show we're watching. 